0: Through 29. And if you're keeping track, this will put us into the last chapter of Hebrews uh, starting next week. Uh, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 25 through 29. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking, for if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, In order that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And thus let us offer to God acceptable worship. With reverence and awe. For our God is a consuming fire. I'm fascinated. I love these shows. You may have seen them. Uh, My daughters don't like them as much. Uh, That have to do with showing you different parts of the planet, like Blue Planet or um, Planet Earth. We've been watching, Luann and I like to watch on Saturday evenings, they've had this thing called Dynasties, where they film these a certain group or a pack for two years, and they kind of show you how it develops over the years. And one of the things that is consistent in all, that seems, animal life on Earth is that the, the most driving thing, I think this is true for us as well, is this the seeking out food and water. It's a constant daily struggle to find food and water. And when you find the food and water, these are things that are not to be wasted. When a lion pack makes a kill, they don't leave any of that meat there. They eat it all. There's one episode of The Blue Planet where a whale had died. It just died of natural causes. fell to the bottom of the ocean. This huge whale. And it, it showed it, filmed it as all these different creatures that lived at the bottom of the ocean fed on that whale for months until literally nothing was left but the bones. They used the whole of it because it was important to them. We see a similar thing in other aspects of the world. When uh, you take wheat and your, your desire is to get the good part of the wheat, you know what they would do? They would beat it. They would shake it. And what would happen to the good part of the wheat? It'd fall while everything that was bad would go away. Or we see a similar thing in the refining of of gold. You bring that gold to a certain temperature. And I'm not going to pretend to be a chemist, so I'm not going to exactly tell you how that works. I tried to look at it this morning and go, yeah, I'm just going to get my, I'm going to mess that up. Uh, But what they do is they heat the metal to a good temperature and then they're able to take off the impurities, right? And all that is left is what is good and what is pure, God is doing the same thing with everything we see around us. He is bringing his creation into conformity to his will. And this is leading to an ultimate shaking. All that is good, or that is not good I should say, will be destroyed. Only what is eternal will last. And to understand our text this morning, we have to remember where we've come from because it it comes off as a little bit confusing out of context. Because it says here, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. And you're like, well, who is the the they and who did reject and when did they reject? And if you're not careful, you don't understand what's going on here. This is the problem with doing snippets of text, right? And we have to remember what we talked about last week. Last week we saw two mountains, right? Mount, Mount Zion, or Mount Sinai and Mount Zion. And he, the writer reminded us what happened at Sinai. Uh, when the people came to the mountain, and God gave them the law, and it shook, and there was thunder, and there was fire. And it says, if they, that is the Israelites, did not escape that shaking, how much less will you escape the shaking that will come at Zion. It's reminding us of our biblical history here. we must reflect on the, a life of, or on our life and eternity that we cannot escape the judgment that is to come. For God is coming, He's going to shake the, all the impurities away. So we're going to see three things this morning. First, we're going to see the warning to not refuse. Second, we're going to see the removal of things shaken. And third, the eternality of things unshaken. The warning not to refuse, the removal of things shaken, and the eternality of things unshaken. Uh, we begin here in our text, but he says, right out, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. And the one who is speaking here, he's not talking about himself. This is not the writer of Hebrews saying, don't refuse me who is speaking. Uh, He's talking about the one who spoke both at Sinai and at Zion. And this is the great concern that we've seen throughout the whole letter of Hebrew, right? (laughs) You who have come to Christianity, who have heard the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, but are now about to experience a shaking... Do not refuse him in favor of the world. He makes for us an argument from the lesser to the greater. And the lesser here is Sinai. And the greater is Zion. He says, hey, you remember Israel at Sinai? They didn't escape the judgment of God. And what was the judgment that they had on them? Remember when Moses goes up into the mountain and he's getting the law and then there's this scene at the bottom of the mountain you have Aaron and all the others and they're like saying, hey, let's make a bunch of gold. Let's take a bunch of gold and let's make this bull. Let's call this bull Yahweh and let's worship it. After they've already been told what? Don't do that. And what was their punishment? None of you are going to enter the promised land. None of you. They could not escape the punishment of God. And it says if they couldn't escape it from Sinai, how much more will you not escape it from Zion? There is a judgment. How does he say it here? Much less will we escape if we reject him who warns from heaven. If we do not, if we refuse him who is speaking from heaven, then there will be a judgment that is coming. Because here's the problem. Many people draw a wrong conclusion about the New Testament. They come to the New Testament. They see Jesus in the New Testament. They say, oh, well, he's just a God of grace and mercy and love. He's not a God. He doesn't want to judge. Judge not lest you be judged. Right? There's no judgment in Jesus. All comers, let's go. No judgment. Jesus says grace and peace and that's all they hear. And so they assume, maybe not in their words, but in their actions, that God must no longer be serious about obedience as he was in the Old Testament. But according to the New Testament, the same Jesus who tenderly ministered to his flock Also says things like this in 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 through 8. When the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. Jesus will come with mighty angels with flaming fire, inflicting vengeance upon those who do not know him. There is a real judgment that comes from heaven Jesus is not merely, merely spiritual and there's many people who treat Jesus like well you're, you're just a spiritual guy and that's all well and good uh, but if, if I leave you alone well, you just leave me alone and we'll just do a live and let live kind of situation right but some people will try to deal with God that way Jesus that way James Montgomery Boyce says this, nothing is less farther from the truth. For when we say Christ's kingdom is not of this world, what we are really saying is that Christ's kingdom is of heaven and therefore has even greater claim over us than do earthly kingdoms we know so well. Because they disobeyed God, an entire generation was punished. But the punishment for rejecting Jesus is an eternal punishment. It is a grave error to think for a moment that that the God of Zion is not the same God of Sinai. It is a grave error to make. We cannot presume upon the grace of Jesus... We cannot take that attitude of live and let live. We can't just say, Jesus, if if, if I don't mess with you, you don't mess with me. That's not the God of the Bible. When Jesus comes, he will shake everything to its very core. And the question is this, how will we stand before him? How will we bear up under this awesome judgment? And the only way, the only answer to this question of how we will bear up under this judgment is for us to know who we are. Who are you in Christ? And the answer we see following. We are those who are being shaken so that when he comes again, All that is left is that which is good and pleasing and pure. This is our second point, the removal of things shaken. God will shake, he says here, the heavens and the earth. This shaking that we saw at Sinai was nothing to the shaking that is to come. There is a time coming when the whole of the created realm will be shaken by God. He will leave only that which is eternal. We see it through the New Testament, Second Peter 3:10. "But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a roar, the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth and the works that are done in them will be exposed. First Corinthians 7:31. And those who deal with this world as though they had no dealings with it. For this present form of this world is passing away. This world is passing away. It is going away. Through our lives, we are taught something. We are taught that what matters is the things of this world. We need to get things, we need to obtain things. Wrongly, many have said that he who dies with the most toys wins. Uh, Sadly, the he who dies with the most toys dies. (laughs) It doesn't matter how how much money we have. It doesn't matter what our home is like. It doesn't matter if we receive the accolades and awards this world would give us all the prestige. And if we look at the Hebrews, they stood to lose everything, didn't they? Rome, the most powerful... uh, empire in the world at the time they were they might lose their property they might lose their life and they looked at it and said why would we give up property in life all we have to do is capitulate to the world and the writer says to them there's a day coming where everything of this world will pass away and if your hope and your security is in those things ...then you're going to be brought to utter ruin with those things. And it's unfathomable at this time... ...to think about Rome ever falling, right? Rome was it in the day. You look at it and you go, there's no way Rome would ever fall. Rome will always be here. It, 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 and it would pit its whole strength against the gospel of, of Christ. And of course, who would win in that, in that contest... If you're in the middle of all of this with Rome being absolute with well, the gospel of Christ is pitted against Rome surely Rome will win. And you look back and you go, "Oh, no. Where's Rome? Where's the Roman Empire?" It's not there. What could been, but what could have been more stable in their minds? The gospel has endured to this day while the Roman Empire is but a memory. The gospel endures because it's built on truth. So Jesus can say in Matthew 24, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. His word will not pass away. So our priorities must change. We have to place Christ above all else. We have to cease moving that which is lesser to being in front of that which is greater. It doesn't mean we are not involved in the world or even worldly endeavors, but it means we must be wise and seeking to honor God in all that we do. And we should long for the kingdom of God to come. What will be said of us? Or should I say it this way? Are you ready to be shaken? This is part of the Christian life. When we gain Christ, when we become sons and daughters, we give up this world. We give it up. So we, so we can be rightly called strangers in this world, aliens. But the reality is, if you are justified, if you have been made right, then you will be sanctified. You will be made into the image of Jesus. That means all else must be removed. The entrappings of this world, the love of its things... The sins that we cling to so tightly. God is going to bring things in our lives to shake and purify us. This might come in the form of persecution. This might come in the form of personal suffering. This might come in the form of health, loss of health or loss of property. But he is seeking to take our focus off this world and put it on him, the eternal. Are we ready to be shaken? Are we ready to lose the things of this world, to gain the things of Christ, the unshakable? This is how our passage ends today, with an exhortation. Therefore, therefore, because he is coming to shake, because these things will be removed. Therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Rome was shaken. It fell, didn't it? America will be shaken. It will fall. America is not eternal. We do not belong to the kingdom of this world. We belong to a kingdom that cannot be shaken. We have a God who is the God of of Sinai and Zion. He is the God of the burning bush And he should never be taken lightly because he is eternal. But also understand this. The threat of the wrath of God upon you, if you are in Christ, has been removed at the cross. What does that mean? It means this. That if you were in Jesus... Though you be shaken You will endure You will endure There's a certainty here We belong to a kingdom That cannot be shaken I love the, the, the Narnia books The C.S. Lewis books The Lion, the Witch, and Wardrobe And in there I may have used this in the past I don't think I've used it in a while So I'm going to use it again uh, and if, you, if you've seen the movies or you've read the books, you know that Aslan is this character, and he is the fierce lion, and he is the, the, the Christ-type character. He is the deity-type character in the book. And at one point, as they're talking about Aslan, as the kids are first learning about Aslan, Susan says, well, is he safe? Is he a safe lion? And Mr. Beaver, because beavers and lions talk in this story, just in case you didn't know, Mr. Beaver says, who said anything about safe Of course he isn't safe. He's a lion. But he's good. He is good. He's the king, I tell you. God is not safe. But he's good. He is the God of judgment. He is full of might and power. But he is good. We have to deal with. We have to encounter, we have to see this kind of God if we're going to be saved. We can never take our allegiance to God as a light matter. Well, I'll throw my allegiance, I'll throw my hat in the ring there and see how it works out. But I'll also keep these over here just in case. We cannot keep our allegiance to God as a light matter You have come to the one who is unshakable. He is jealous of your affections. He is a consuming fire who purifies all that he comes into contact with. So, as a creature, you should rightly tremble with fear, but he is good. I remember, and this is not something I plan on, but another great image of this. Lewis is good at doing these images. Was in the, the Voyage of the Dawn Treader, and you have I think it's Eustace. Who gets his name? Eustace, who had turned into a dragon, and finally he's having his encounter with, with Aslan, and he's like trying to get these claws. He's trying to claw off his his scales, and he says, "No." Aslan says, "You have to let me do it." He, he gets his clawing claws in there deep, and it hurts. And he rips off the scales. But when he does out from the scales of this dragon comes the boy. Having what is shaken from us sometimes will be painful. Having that sin removed from us can be painful. But it produces in us life. Are we a people who are investing in eternity? God did not intend for it to be easy. He intended for it to be costly. We have to give up this world to gain the kingdom of God. One commentator said it this way. To invest in God, you have to divest in this world. If you've ever done anything with a stock market, you know what that means you have an investment in something that doesn't look good you have to get out of that investment and invest in something completely different we have to divest in this world in order that we can divest or invest excuse me into god Whereas the bible says that you cannot serve both god and mammon you must choose between god's city the new jerusalem and the city of this world we must cling to what is lasting and put off what is fleeting God offers to us an inheritance in his kingdom. And what, he, what would he have us do? All you must do is forsake all else. All other gods, all other things. Matthew thirteen forty four: the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has to buy that field. What is that parable teaching? What God is, is so valuable and precious that it's worth getting rid of everything else to gain it. To getting rid of everything else. Oh may all our hopes in, in Christ Jesus rest in this, that we are giving up the world and, and we are gaining something far greater that we gain Christ in His kingdom. It's why that we should tremble at time and be overwhelmed, not because it's a delusion, but because it's true. And so you can look at like books like, if you've never read books like Fair Sunshine or Fox's Book of Christian Martyrs, go read them. Because you would be tempted to look at, at people who are standing or tied to the, the posts ready to be burned, singing hymns to God with gladness in their heart, and you might go, What's wrong with them? How can they with such joy willingly give up their lives? And it's not because they're delusional. It's because they understand something about their God. They understand about what they're gaining. They understand that their hope and security is not in this flesh. It's in him. And we must seek to do the same. We have to stop trusting in the imperishable. We have to stop relying on that which is created And we have to turn to the creator, the sustainer, and the giver of all that is eternal, all that is lasting. This is what he has given you in Jesus Christ. He has given you the imperishable. Why would you give up that which is imperishable, that which is shakable, or that which is unshakable, Why would you give that up for that which was going away? Because it's all going away. Money. Houses. iPhones. Computers. Cars. Boats. Whatever it is. Power. Prestige. It's all going away. Even... The good gifts, there are times where God blesses with those things, but guess what? They're still temporary. When confronted with the God of eternity, we cannot refuse to see who he is. See that you do not refuse him who is speaking. He is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is the same God of Sinai, even as he is at Zion. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, we have to put off, put off the things of this world. Those things that would seek to remove us from him. All those things that will be shaken and gone. And we must seek that which is eternal. The kingdom of God. Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And his Righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. We must seek him. Seek to honor and praise our father who is in heaven. For even as Jesus said, I am preparing a place for you. You won't see me again till I come in the same manner as I've left. But when I do... Oh, buddy, it's going to shake the world to its core. You ready for Jesus to come back? I am. Oh, yeah. Let us be shaken. Let us be shaken. And would that what be left be only that which is of Him? Let's pray. Oh, Father in heaven, Lord, we, we at times cling so tightly to the things of this world. We like to have plans, C, D, E, and F all in place just in case. Oh, Lord, but would you help us to divest of this world so that we may invest in you. Lord, I've often heard it said, be careful what you pray for. Oh, but Lord, this is something we need. So if we are clinging to anything of this world, Lord, remove it. And we ask and pray that that would be as gentle as possible, but we also ask and pray that you would do it in any way that is necessary so that we might cling to you. Now oh, we ask and pray this in Jesus' holy name. Amen.